Hello everyone, I'm Jamie Bricker and welcome to Matters of Principle. This twice-monthly series is designed for school principals to help support them in this very exciting and very challenging role in education. Now I'm a retired school principal, as is my co-host Jack Barkley. Big welcome Jack and I'm really looking forward to today's discussion on some more key issues for school administrators. Well, thanks, Jamie. And as we discussed in our last podcast, principals have to work with their staff to establish a common vision for the school year. But logically, the next stage is really even more important, establishing and implementing that plan. So the school plan moves the vision into the stage of becoming actionable. And and that plan lays the foundation for everything staff and students do as well as providing direction for the school itself moving forward. Oh, no question about that, Jack. The school plan is critical, and I love that word actionable. Another way I look at it is it kind of is, it's the transition from just the talking to the actual walking, once again, making it happen. And this plan is going to be frequently modified and adjusted as the school year progresses. So you don't crank out a plan just after Labor Day and it's cast in stone for 10 months, that's for sure. I look back to many of our superintendents throughout our careers. They would routinely comment that the school plan is, quote, a living and breathing document. And that may sound a bit hokey, but I think it's very valid in the sense that the plan really does provide a pulse to the whole school building. Well, Jamie, I I remember that as well. And uh, we both discussed that. And as we'll discuss throughout the podcast, it's important that the plan be visible and shared with all the stakeholders. And also key is for the stakeholders, and by that I mean students, staff, and the community to see themselves in the plan. Okay, Jackson, just to clarify, what do you, what do you mean by this phrase, seeing themselves? Well, I, I think, Jamie, they have to be connected to the plan and feel that it's not something that's abstract and distant from them. And and when I, when I, when I say see themselves, we had a strategy at one of the schools we were at where we likened the plan to a a bit of a learning journey for the school. And we would actually take pictures of some of the items in the plan, such as maybe creating learning goals or success criteria or guided groups or things happening in the classroom. And we would do that for each of the classrooms and put them around the plan on a board and display where where teachers could see themselves literally linked to a phrase in the plan and, and and your SCC would then see that and we would make a point of showing that <coughs> board to to our stakeholders likewise we would have students uh, certainly with permission to have their pictures on the wall and see themselves uh, as part of that plan uh, as well powerful group ownership and collective accountability I love it really well really well described now of course the first stage of the plan is always about setting goals and we realize right off the hop, we realize goals, of course, will be specific to the given school uh, who's writing that plan. We totally get that. But this morning, we're just going to discuss what we would consider really kind of general categories that will one way or another be on basically any school plan. First and foremost, of course, schools are all about academics and the major thrusts will always be literacy and numeracy. And of course, the kind of specific thrust kind of start in a general sense from the ministry, then down to the board level, and then down to your particular school. 
And boy, the last quarter century or so, EQAO trends and analysis has really been a huge factor uh, in that regard. But as we know, Jack, numeracy has been kind of the ongoing kind of weak link provincially for many years. But I think it's important that we don't kind of ever minimize literacy while we're focusing on the numeracy. And I look at the overlap and boy, like as administrator to my many years teaching math, if, if you can't really derive meaning from what you're reading, boy, a lot of problem solving becomes a real challenge. And and so often I look back and kids had the, had the right answer to the quote, wrong question. And another thing I think is important is when you're establishing these goals is to really focus on the work of Stephen Katz, who was so big on having the inch. And that, of course, meant to go deep with a very narrow focus and as he says, do a few things well. And then, of course, this inch needs to be closely aligned to your overall plan. Right. And, Jamie, you know, it really makes me think back to we were certainly had a focus on numeracy, as you said. But you had to force yourself to make sure that kids were reading for meaning. And like you said, that they would apply those skills to problem solving. Because if you don't understand the problem, like you say, you're going to get that correct answer but in the wrong context oh so true and very frustrating for kids very frustrating for sure for sure now i said undoubtedly academics are a real key component and driver of the school plan however i think we both agree in order to achieve success students and staff need to be or feel mentally healthy especially today the latest journey through the pandemic has really emphasized this fact on an ongoing almost daily basis where where you have to check into the school and be be in good shape to to proceed with your day so you know starting with that as we move on to a mental health part of your school plan that pandemic return to school there's so many safety protocols to adjust to as we've said some of them are day in day out staff have to check off and adhere that they're okay to be at work and and so on but you have to have that in lockstep with with being able to close those academic gaps that you need to address as well. But you can't do one without without the other. And I think underneath that umbrella of mental health, that, that word anxiety, I think inside people have, you know, I think of staff, I think of, uh, of kids in a school, anxiety about what's going to come next this year. So, uh, you know, will in-person learning be interrupted again? Will it continue? Am I going to be able to come? Because we know kids want to be at school and and uh, they benefit from that. So, you know, anxiety as well can uh, rear itself by thinking about what will the new normal be like? How long will we have to wear masks? How long will we have to walk on one side of the hall and go in one direction and, and so forth? So I think your school plan has to really take this into context and consider this and needs to address mental health for both students and staff. So important you, you included staff in that statement, Jack, because I think it's as professionals and as caring adults, as all staff members in their various roles certainly are, it is just so easy to kind of naturally focus on students' mental health, almost at the exclusion of everyone else's. And I think that's really important that Staff have been balancing so many balls personally and professionally the last couple of years that we really have to have our kind of our ear to the ground and our eyes wide open to make sure that that their needs are being effectively serviced because they really 
in, or, in order to have a really kind of vibrant, healthy school in all respects, we've got to ensure staff, of course, are really, uh, once again, feeling supported and, uh, and, and healthy in all respects. Well, it, it, that's so true, Jamie. And, and we've talked about this before where, you know, staff will notice if if you're forgetting about them and, and you have to constantly keep that front and center. That overriding concern for principals must always be, does everyone feel safe and secure and ready to go for that day? And, and like you said, we, we will only get the best out of our staff and students if, if they're feeling in a good a good spot. So uh, one of the questions I always like to, to bring up to staff and, and make students aware is, are they aware of who could help me if I'm not feeling this way? Where could I go? It might not just be coming to me, but showing them the options or the people that they could speak to that are arms of the board, that are that are supports of the board, and so on. Oh, that's a key point, because even in pre-pandemic times, especially with primary age students, it was really important to remind them that if they're in the hallway or the bathroom area, or especially out in the field at lunch and recesses, they're going to be out there with a lot of teachers who, who, who they don't know and don't recognize whatsoever, except, of course, they recognize the orange vest of each staff member. But it's as you say, it's so important so they can really kind of feel comfortable who can help me. And boy, that kind of need for help, like the, the possible kind of causes for assistance have just exponentially increased due to the pandemic. No question. You know, in terms of general kind of safety issues, once again, as principals, it's important to be very visible in classrooms and hallways be aware of kind of the general bathroom areas. Where, and I know you and I put a big priority on yard duty. And also, I'm kind of smiling here, Jack, because we've both talked many times that we have ridden a whole lot of school buses. And the bottom line is, that's how you support your kids, your uh, staff who, who may well be riding on the bus, depending on their role, and to really also kind of validate parental concerns. It could be on the actual bus ride. Also, we've had issues on bus stops where it had nothing to do with the bus per se but it's on the stop and all of those things everyone needs to feel safe and principals need to constantly assess the overall climate of this of the school and that's where i think it's so important to have your eyes be visible make your kind of mental notes but there's also things like attitudinal surveys feedback from your school community council and I guess bottom line, Jack, is you, you, you've got to recognize and value lenses of all stakeholders. Right. As a principal, you can't get this myopic view and kind of walk out with your chest proudly sticking out thinking, boy, everything is going great here. Like you really kind of have got to kind of, I call it opening yourself up, seeking out the feedback with an understanding that, frankly, feedback by definition is not always positive. And lots of feedback is really criticism. And I think you really have to take it the right way. Um, and this criticism is going to also really force you to look at things differently because it may or may not align with how you see things. Well, Jamie, I think what you're describing there, and I agree so much, is that you know you have to almost be uncomfortable or get in that uncomfortable state to move things forward. And, and as you said, many ways to get information, you know, surveys and such, but keeping your ear to the ground, you listen for those comments throughout the day in conversations or what you heard, 
and then be uncomfortable with that. Don't don't take that personally. Take that as learning. Uh, and 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 then you yourself as that leader has to be has to be able to to take risks in moving things forward and making things better. You know, with decisions and and your day to day interactions. And of course, nothing in our in our job description or kind of mandate of our role, let alone that. Uh, ever power moral imperative nothing tops making sure everyone's safe obviously and the bottom line is no student no student of any grade can be expected to be totally focused on his or her schoolwork unless they are honestly feeling i would call comfortable contented and confident in really all aspects of their daily school life so true jamie and and that that really nicely moves us into the next area of uh of the school plan, and that that is really around the whole topic of equity. And uh, we talked earlier about students and staff and stakeholders seeing themselves. But when when I use that phrase again this time, I talk about students uh, being reflected in the work that's on the walls. That they see their own work. That they can see their background and their families in the classroom and in the in, in the library and the books that they have and the resources that are there. And, and just those all-around visuals throughout the school because that makes them feel like it's their building, their place, they're comfortable and adds to that positive environment. And we, we think of video, slideshows, guest speakers and special events. Are the kids part of it? Do they see themselves reflected in, in those day-to-day activities that go on? And I think another big thing in terms of kind of being equitable is we talked a few podcasts ago, Jack, how it's a, a big no-no as a, as a school leader to obviously have any kind of whiff or whatever of kind of favorites or non-favorites on staff, shall we say. I mean, that's a big non-starter for any school leader. Everyone, once again, your professional colleague, no one your personal friend. But if you extend that, that frankly applies, that sense of equity applies to everyone in the school community. And we must be welcoming and respectful to all. And I always thought it was really important that whether a parent is coming into the school once or twice a year, or whether that parent is under you know, pre-pandemic times, I realize things are different now, but in pre and post-pandemic times, some parents are in the school fairly frequently and volunteer a lot, et cetera. Well, whether like the frequency of a parent's kind of appearances at school, et cetera, they have nothing to do with how that parent is greet, greeted and welcomed upon their arrival. And it's really important since, once again, as principals, we're setting the tone that whether it's a phone call or when the pandemic's finally, hopefully in our rearview mirror, more in-person conversations, that everyone feels welcomed and respected the minute that they're inside our school. Yeah, and what you're defining there, Jamie, is really a, a great example of equity treating people the same way uh, yeah, as you said with your example no matter how often they're in the school or what role they might have as a parent I mean equity is such a wide ranging topic we don't want to uh, seem like we're uh, not doing it service but I I think sometimes we talk about our own lenses uh, and, and so on and, and I had a background in special education before I got into administration so uh, I, I always had that pulse of how we were treating kids with special needs in the school, uh, whether we we're using person first language, you know, the student with autism or um, the student's ability. 
but there's this vast continuum in special education that's you know that some needs are obvious you know if it's a physical need or an injury or something like that but some may be relatively subtle where you can't see the disability and, and you have to treat all of those situations um, with the same amount of care they still deserve and re require that care and understanding for the student now it's, it's interesting i think of equity too and mm -hmm. i, I want to I don't want to take too much time up by giving a couple of anecdotes, but you and I know that when we have to wade through a situation where you know a student might have gotten into trouble or might uh, have to be disciplined, uh, that we've talked about getting all of the information in the situation. But considerations, that, you know, that phrase "mitigating circumstances" is so so important, and and that you know, if a student, I always ask myself, did the student understand what a what the consequences of his or her actions are. And, you know, might that student have a behavior challenge or an IEP or even beyond a behavior plan where triggers to a certain action are listed? And do you understand those? Do you take those into consideration when you're working through a situation or even even coming up with a consequence for that student? You know, so that that in itself is equity, I call it equity in action when you're considering being considerate of those circumstances. Somewhat related, uh, but I think sometimes we think this whole idea of fairness is is about being equal, and it really isn't. Like the, there's a big difference between equality and equity, and and I use I use the example, and and I, I know we're all familiar with this or variations of it, but you know the, the three or four students that are trying to look over the fence at the game or the activity going on, and they're of different heights, and so the it's equal in that they all need supports or boxes to stand on so that they can see over that fence. But some children, depending on their height, might need two or three boxes. Some might not even need a box. Some might need one. So they require supports, perhaps, and that's equal, but different kinds of supports means that it's equitable. And equitable being that they can all see over the fence. So you get these are considerations that as leaders we have to think about and model i think that looking over the fence that is a powerful analogy for as you say fairness is not sameness well equity also plays a key role in resolving conflicts and i would say with frankly any combination of student staff or parents it's all about really not judging students and families through any kind of preconceived notions and that might mean anything like previous interactions with any siblings, for example. That has nothing to do with kind of the issue at hand with this student. And every kind of, quote, discussion or investigation into a matter, it really needs to open with a sense of fairness and an honest, clean slate. It's not a question of fitting kind of the facts or whatever into a, some kind of preconceived template, but it's honestly, once again, an open, clean slate. Now, however, Jack, as you know, there's a difference between having an open-minded investigation and yet what I call kind of an impacted consequence. In other words, the investigation absolutely needs to be open-minded, and yet certainly progressive discipline has really become a, a very kind of uh, frequently used tool in our schools the last 10, 15 years. And, and I think, frankly, as it should just like in our society, if, if a child is kind of repeating the same issue over and over again versus a child who's only done it the first time, the investigation, very similar, but the 
subsequent consequence or progressive discipline will in fact be different. However, my last kind of caveat is I think it's really important that regardless of the severity of the issue, regardless of the severity of the consequence, frankly, that there, there is no, quote, grudge had held by any staff member and obviously not the administration once the kind of matter is resolved. And I look back, Jack, that sometimes, not very often, of course, but occasionally for a very serious matter, it may or may not have been police involvement, a student may have a suspension, which is recorded in weeks, not days. And yet when that is done, it is very important for that student and that student's family to know that he or she is having a fresh start. Yeah, Jamie, I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, you that return to school is so important off, you know, the, the, the learning and, the, and the, the intake meeting after. But that's where you can begin to show that fresh start and that there's and I think everybody needs that. But I, I really agree that no grudge approach is so, so important. You know, no doubt equity uh, in the examples we've talked about here is it, it's a key pillar of the school plan and the school itself in, in making sure that your day-to-day actions are are uh, are supportive and caring. And and this should be front and center in its, in its development and, and be given, given a, a due amount of time in your school plan. Now, Important too, and I and we've touched on some key parts uh, to the school plan to this point. But important too is the monitoring of agreed upon goals. So we've agreed with our staff, and we've agreed with our students, and we've made people aware of the plan and see themselves in it. But but monitoring that plan and the targets that are agreed upon is so key to moving it forward. Well, and also that's let's face it, that's the. Uh most challenging aspect of the principal's role. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Jamie, for sure. You know, you know and, and let's face it, all aspects of the school plan require that regular monitoring. And this all-important monitoring of all aspects of the school plan will be the focus of our next podcast. Well, thanks everyone for joining us today. And a reminder as always, that if you have any questions or comments, please never hesitate to email us at affectiveleadership at gmail.com. We encourage our listeners to share our podcast with other school leaders and a reminder to follow us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And we look forward to connecting with you again in two weeks on Matters of Principle.